and I am going to be ministering tonight in a little bit. I, I'd like a little bit of time. I know I've been talking about it, but you give me maybe, I don't know, 30, 35 minutes to share a little bit from my heart in the word with you about the subject of faith. <laughs> you know, I think about my faith every day. I mean, I don't know how many times I've said that. Every day I usually say it to myself. I'm thinking about my faith today because a faith pleases God. Number two, faith is the victory. Number three, faith will make me whole. Love helps, but love won't get it done. Faith will. Faith pleases God. Now, Brother Hagin mentioned this, though. He said, I work more on my love walk than I do my faith walk, which is astonishing to me because he was a sure faith person. Yeah. Faith pleases God. You can't please him without it. That's why I'm thinking about my faith every day because I don't want to be displeasing to the Father. Number two, it's the victory. Faith gives me victory in my life. In, in what? In everything. If I'll believe him for everything. You've got to believe for these things, you know. And then faith will make you whole. W-H-O-L-E. So I, that's the three things that are most important that I know about faith. There's a lot of other things we could say. It's a big subject. But turn to Romans 3. And I want to look at verse 27 together with you tonight. Where is boasting then? Talking about human boasting in this or that. It is excluded. So there's no reason to boast about really anything other than what we are in Christ. But he says, by what law of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. In other words, we've entered into the law of faith when we were saved. There's been given to each one of us in Romans 12 and 3, the measure of faith. And that measure of faith or initial deposit of faith is what I'm saying. I'm not going to, I'll quote the references, but I may not go to every is can be developed in your life. You know, I did this study many years ago, 1 Thessalonians, I think it's 1.8. Paul writes that church of Thessalonica, and boy, you talk about a commendation. He says, your faith is known everywhere I go, the church of Thessalonica. He didn't say that about the Corinthians. He didn't say it about the Colossians, the heady church, intellectual church. He didn't even say it about the Philippians, and they were really a solid church, I think, per my personal opinion, reading my Bible for 40-some years. But he said, your faith is spread abroad that everywhere I go, they know about your faith as a church. Wouldn't you like to be known as a faith church? You know, in our culture today, they almost cuss thinking there's a faith church, a divine healing church, a deliverance church. Like we're some kind of ugly animal. We're just New Testament people is what we are. And furthermore, I'm just telling this straight out raw. There's no such thing as a New Testament church biblically that doesn't believe in divine healing and deliverance. That's, that animal doesn't exist in your Bible. I know people got signs on their doors and they're all kinds of, well, we're a word church. Are you really? Are you just a favorite word church? Or are you really a word church? We're a spirit church. I, are you really? God ever move there? What do you mean? You ever line anybody up and pray for them? What's that? So on a plane with a guy who's an elder in a certain denomination. I said, does your pastor ever lay hands on people? Lay hands on people for what? I said, for healing, for deliverance, for ministry. And no, I never heard of that. Does he ever operate in the word of knowledge? What's that? I said, it's in 1 Corinthians 12 and many other places. It's a gift of the Spirit. What's that? This is an elder. 
Not some slobby, just come by night, fly by night guy that comes in and says, he's an elder in the denomination. <laughs> he don't know anything about And if anybody would know, it should have been the leaders. So, you know, that church was a zero or minus. The law of faith. It's a law. <laughs> I don't care if you go to metric or whatever you do, but there's still 12 inches in a foot, honey. You better get that straight. And just like the law of faith, it ain't about, even if we go to metric system, that, I'm just talking about, listen to me, there's still, two and two is still four. I don't care what nation you live in, in the earth, or how you, your language, two and two is still four. And there's still 12 inches in a foot. If you measure it metric, it don't, it's still 12 inches. Okay. And faith is like that. It's a law. It's a law that works every time it's put to use. Norval Hay says this, you can't get anything from God with general faith. You have to have specific faith. This is probably the most important message I've taught this whole session, this whole weekend. When someone says they believe God can do anything, that's a sign they don't believe anything. You have to believe God specifically, call him your healer, call him what you need him to be. See, if you're not calling him your healer, he's not. If you're not calling him your financier, your supply, he's not. If you're not calling him your soundness of mind, he's not. You have to call him that. Paul said he's our all in all. So whatever your all contains, and it should contain everything in your redemption, everything in your inheritance, you've got to call him that for him to be that. I know one thing, he's the strength of my life. I was talking to my wife the other day about, you know, people bailing out of church because they're tired. They got a few symptoms. They don't feel like going. You know how many thousands of times I felt like that before I prayed? Thousands and thousands. I just got up and did what I should have done. Whether I felt like it or not, sometimes I didn't feel like it at all. And sometimes that stayed on me for months not feeling like it at all. But you didn't know anything about it because I just got up and preached and act like I always act because I wasn't putting on a play for you. I was doing my faith. Faith is an act. Not something mentally you try to figure out in your head. You'll lose God figuring it out in your head. Your brain's not that big. And neither's mine. God will be whatever you call him to be to you. If you don't call him that, he won't be that. He is, is that in the spiritual world, but that world of the spirit will not yield to you unless you call him that. The only reason you have any disease of any kind is because your body is living with lazy faith. And your faith has no voice of thanksgiving. Norval Hayes, pretty strong quote, but I like it. He, he laid hands on me to minister deliverance several times way back when I was a young preacher. If God's already given me all things, then how come I don't have it? Because faith is the substance of it. Charles Capps. You don't have faith for it yet. See, because you can have it by faith before you ever see it. And that's the only way faith works. You have to believe what you can't see. You have to believe what he said, regardless of what it looks like. I love that one. I don't know what you call it, a bridge. I'm not a musician. You know, even when I don't see it, he's working. Even when I don't feel it, he's working. Oh, thank God. That's got me by many a tough spot. I'm telling you. Yeah. Brother Norville, what makes faith work is a voice, your voice. The Holy Spirit responds to voices that speak God's word. Norval Hayes. That's so good I'm going to read it again. What makes faith work is a voice, your voice. 
the Holy Spirit responds to voices that speak God's word. So like I said this morning, if you say, Father, I thank you, you deliver me from every evil work and preserve me until you're coming, then he starts being that. He starts preserving you. Or, you know, 1 Peter 1, 5, I'm kept by the power of God through my faith. It should read in the Greek unto salvation or resulting in my salvation. And salvation there, you know, for the ignorant, it just means born again. But for the people who know their Bible, it means healing, deliverance, soundness in every area. That's what the word salvation means in the Greek New Testament. But, you know, depending on your slant and teaching on it, you can limit it any, any level you want. You know, I grew up in a church that believed God could, I mean, if you were the biggest whoremonger, the biggest drug dealer in the city, they believed as a Baptist you could get saved and God would forgive you and save you on the spot. But they didn't believe in healing a bit. They lacked that. They didn't even, they, and of course I know if I ask them, well, we're preaching the gospel. You don't even know what the gospel is yet, my friend. See, I knew that when I was still ignorant because God was showing me, dealing with me. I don't think you realize I was a full-blown drug addict and God changed my life. That's a big hump to overcome from eating out of a dumpster with a needle hanging out my arm to becoming the person I am today. And even back then I knew I was different. What I mean different is I knew God took me from that to being born again and start having a mind to think right and treat people right. And it wasn't all about me then. Hallelujah. So I knew if God could do that, he must be bigger than they're letting him be in this church. Of course, I was too chicken to tell him that. But anyway, my spiritual father said, faith is persistent. Just keep at it. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's see what else I got here. The secret of faith is this, continually saying what God said. The secret of faith is this, continually saying what God said. Remember that spirit of depression I told you about? <laughs> I didn't have to go to my Bible and look up Matthew 16, 16 through 18, or Matthew 18, 18 through 20. I had it in my heart. Whatever I say, whatever I bind will be bound. So I bind you, spirit of depression. You have to go. I didn't quote the verse, but I already knew the verse, and it was working in me. And I said, you have to go in Jesus' name. I, I rebuke you. And he went. Faith is only faith when it sees nothing. Gordon Lindsay said, that's a good saying. Faith never sits and passively waits, Kenneth E. Hagen. Mm -hmm. You can't argue with the word and receive your help. You have to agree with it. Don't challenge the word. And you challenge the word when I tell you something that sounds extreme and you say, but you've just argued with the word. Didn't argue with me. I don't take it personal. If you don't want to believe God, don't. But I know this, if you don't believe God, you have to live a natural life. Dependent on your abilities, your physical strength, your physical ability to think is with your brain. But that's about the far as you're going to ever get. And I don't care if you're a brilliant person, you're still a very limited person because this is a spiritual planet that spirit things are more real than natural and you'll live an entirely different life if you get over in the spirit realm. How many understand what I'm saying? I still take a bath every day, brush my teeth. You know, natural things have to be done, feed my body, but I don't think and act and function like 
a lot of people because I'm not thinking in that terms anymore. I mean, for example, I told you this before, I help people buy cars all over the world. It isn't something I'm bragging about, it's just something I grew into. I got faith for vehicles. I rode in one today, Pastor Luke's. I rode one two or three weeks ago, uh, well, in November before I came to the flocks. Uh, Dr. Rogan drove me in his brand new truck from Louisville, Louisville, from down Nashville to Bowling Green. And then Pastor Cynthia, I was believing her and sold money towards her new car and she got a new car, sent me a picture of it. It's just like my car, except it's white. Now I'm, and I'm saying that because most of the times when I've shared with people about getting a vehicle, husbands and wives, the wife always agreed with me quickly. The husband always hedged on me. Well, I don't know. What don't you know about? I'm going to try to help you, son. What would be wrong with that? I was in a church down in Chiclayo, Peru. Mio, Mayo, Chiclayo. <laughs> Guy had a great church. It was, I mean, standing room only. Pastor Dennis was with me in that church. Uh, and we were on the second story of a building. It was about this big, not quite as wide as this. And it was packed from the front to the back, about 230 people. And I, I said to him, he picked me up in the car with duct tape and baling wire. You know what I mean by that? It had some major infractions and it needed help. And the muffler was leaking and, I, and we were in the back seat and the smoke was getting on. And he had two children, elementary age, that rode in the back seat of that car. So I thought, you know, this is not good for his children to be exposed to that, more or less him. I said to him at lunch one day, how long have you been pastoring this church? 14 years. 14 years. Hmm. Went back to the hotel and prayed and had dinner that night after the service. Said, you know, God told me to help you get a new car. And he said to tell you the money's already in the church. And you know what he said? I'm sitting next to him. Well, I said, if you let me, I'll, I can do it because I have anointing for that. Well, I don't know, Dr. Jacobs. See, he's concerned that people are going to misread me. His wife was on the other side of him. She gently pushed his chest back and said, that's God, Dr. Jacob. <laughs> What's with these wives? Thank God we, some men would never make it if they didn't have a good wife. I, I can guarantee it. So I said, so I got, a, I got a little ahead of the game here. I said, I think maybe just you and your wife go home and talk about it tonight. And I kind of winked at her. I think, I think you could work it out and tell me tomorrow if you're okay with it. And I got up and took an offering. I had three or $400 in my pocket to put a bucket up front, told about, you need to get your pastor car. His muffler's leaking, the holes in the car, the fumes are up in the car. He's been your pastor 14 years. I'm not belly aching or yelling at you, but there's people in this church that are business people. And I want one out of six or seven to lead this. And I want to say to you publicly, you don't get him a car. You let him pick out what he wants and then you pay for it. And put a bucket out and put $400. I said, anybody else want to give this, start this offering? Come. And it piled up to the top. And after the service, the next morning he came, or next afternoon we had lunch. He said, lady in my church, I didn't know that. She owns half the city. She's a, a, a tycoon. Or, she's got business after business after business after home after business. She owns several blocks of the city I live in, and she's very wealthy. And she got six or seven businessmen together and came to me after you said what you said after the service. Talked to him for five minutes, and she came and said, go pick out what you want, Pastor. We got it. 
Now, unfortunately, I never got to go back there. There's a long story about that. Not anything between me and him, but it's long to tell it. But they told me he got a brand new forerunner, Toyota forerunner. Just by me saying one thing for 10 minutes in a group of people. See, it was already there, but nobody challenged them. I didn't ask people that are on a meager income to give $5,000. I just said, I believe the church together could do this and it'd be a light and easy thing if everybody got behind him. And it's not like he just started last month with here or been here two years. It's 14 years. And you got a church that's packed every service. Hallelujah. Yeah. The law of faith. Talking about the law of faith. An ongoing confession of faith is necessary. An ongoing confession of faith is necessary. Faith is the currency of heaven. You want something from God, you've got to have faith to pay for it, so to speak. See, faith is the currency of heaven. Now, let's look at some verses here. Let's go to Hebrew. Oh, sweet Hebrews. Chapter 3 and verse 1. I got a sticky tab over that. I'll have to move it temporarily. Hebrews 3, verse 1. Wherefore, holy brethren, <clears throat> partakers of the heavenly calling. See, you're connected to that other world. Consider the apostle and high priest of our it should read confession, Christ Jesus. See, it's our confession. We're talking about words tonight. So let's go over to chapter 4 and look at verse 14 here. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. It's a profession's old English word, but the words in the Greek are homologia. Homo means the same as, and logia is the written word of God. It's called the logos of God. But in this Greek form here, it's called logia because it's the two words that are together to make up the word profession or the real word is confession. We're to hold fast, continue on in our confession of faith. See, I told you this morning, I kind of, if you were here, I wasn't trying to hurt you, but kind of, you know, give you a little paddling that some of you'd let this go with the angels. You weren't doing anything with them. You don't even talk about it. You don't even say nothing to them. You know, and they'll just stand around, keep their wings folded, and won't be able to help you at all because you don't say anything. All right, so we're talking, what did I say? An ongoing confession, an ongoing confession of faith is necessary. You can't ever stop talking what you need to talk. I mean, Norval Hayes, he tells the story of a guy, I don't know what kind of accident he was in. My gosh, he was semi-comatose, had 12 different tubes coming out of him from every place. And they gave him like, you know, two days to live. And his wife was sitting there by him in the ICU holding his hand. He wasn't even conscious. And he went and saw her and said, honey, this is what you need to say. The power of God's working in my husband. It's healing everything in him that he needs. Power of God's working in my husband. It's healing everything. And she said, well, how much do I need to say? She said, he said, you need to say it continually. You get tired, go get a sandwich and a drink, come back and say it some more. She did that for about 15 hours and he was totally healed. Amen. 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 He's only say, well, I said it three times, Pastor. Aren't you a champion? <laughs> oh, you get the award for nothing, I think. <laughs> I said it three days. I said it three months. Some things I've been saying for over 30 years. Some of it hadn't come to pass yet. I'm not discouraged about it. It's coming. Yeah. 
to pass, but the fullness of it's not here yet. But I just keep on moving ahead. Not bragging on me, I just keep moving ahead because I'm stronger on the inside than I might be on the outside. But I'm nurturing my faith every day and thinking about my faith. <clears throat> so we're to hold fast. Now let's go to Hebrews 10. Let me get you the, these three scriptures in Hebrews. Of course, Hebrews. Hebrews 3, 1. Hebrews 4, 14. Hebrews 10, 23. And then we'll move on to some other material here quickly. And Hallelujah. Hebrews 10, 23. Now this is, I'm talking about you're getting into new, uh, let me slow down. 2020. And I think Amzi was on it when he sang that song, We Need to Move. And this will get you over into a move if you'll listen to me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And your faith is imperative that you maintain a strong faith life. And you've got to stay around the right people and listen to the right things. Some, some of Dr. Dufresne's, you know, and that, this is just me. I'm not bragging. I'm not tooting anything. I'm just talking. But I, I don't know how many CDs and DVDs I have of Dr. Dufresne. And I listen to him every day of my life. You ever get tired of listening to him? Never. Why? Because he feeds my mantle. There's other good people out in the world that teach and preach, and I respect some of them and so forth. You know what I mean, but they don't feed me. So, you know, normally I'm not feeding on that. You know, you'd be smart to figure it out yourself. If you're called here, then you're going to listen to Jordan's podcast and you come to his meetings when he's here. And because if God sent you here, he has something in you that you need. He has something in him that you need. I don't know if I said that right, but you get... And so... I don't get tired of hearing those because sometimes I realize I'm hearing it for the 175th time. I'm not making fun of that either. And I'm not, I probably could stretch it to the 300th time in some of those. And Diana will tell you, and I could almost say it verbatim what he's preaching because I was in the service and I've listened to it 175, but I still keep listening because there's more in there we haven't got to yet. Dad used to say there's more juice in that old bone for that dog. You ever seen a dog chew a bone that's got some, that's got some strong teeth? I mean, he'll chew that till it's nothing eventually. You think, could there be anything left in there? And he... <laughs> yeah. Hallelujah. Something's still left in there. Okay. Hebrews 10, 23, let us, that's the believers, me and you, hold fast. That's what he said in Hebrews 4. The confession of our faith. That's what we're to hold fast, the confession of our faith. So that would have to be a confession based on the word of faith. Because Paul said, it's the word of faith which we preach. You remember that? Mm, Romans 10, 8 through 10, the word of faith which we preach. So when I make a confession of faith, of my faith, it's faith in his word. But notice what he said. Let us hold fast the confession of our faith without wavering. Without wavering. I told this on myself several times, but it would prove for you in any other area. I was just trying to get a re, what do you call it, Diana? A refinance for my church building. And all the banks, you know, all of them said, oh, we can help you, Dr. Jacobs. Well, okay, I'll meet with you. Donna can back me up on this. And we had several bank presidents or vice presidents in our church 
that came and met with me and Donna and they wanted all of our paperwork, you know, yada, yada. And I'm not criticizing banks, but this is what happened. And they, the guy said, oh, I can do that. And, and, and I asked him, a couple, oh, yeah, we can do that. I'll bring it before the board. It's a done deal. And we, I don't know how many pages that she made for him and how many questions she answered for him on the telephone. And then he called me in a couple of weeks and said, we can't do that. And I said, well, you need to quit lying to preachers. Do you really say that? Yeah, I really said that. Don't shoot your mouth off to me. You can do something you're never going to do. And so I went through about how many banks? Four or five trying to get this figured out. And I was not mean to any of them. I was a very polite person. I mean, you don't think I am, but I am. But if you screw me over, then I'm going to tell you about it. I'm going to talk to you about it. Because you promised me, you said. You said it to me. I didn't say it to you. I didn't ask you to. You said, I can guarantee it. And I put my staff on it hours and hours and hours of labor and all that kind of stuff. And they couldn't come through. And my point is, I got negative after a while and didn't even realize I was under that pressure. And one day I said something at home and my wife checked me. You know what? Your wife can check you or your husband. Michael. He didn't go, Michael, honey, dear, sweetie pie, honey bun. It was Michael. (laughs) Well, when she calls me Michael like that, I'm in trouble about something. And I'm scrambling in my mind, what did I say? And she said, you didn't even hear yourself, did you? I said, evidently not. And finally, the Lord brought it back to me, what I said. And I said, oh, my God. And, of course, being a good husband, I wanted to defend myself. <laughs> like you women do with us sometimes. You want to defend all your, okay. And I've been married a few years. Anyway, talking to you here. And before I could say anything to defend that, the Lord said, you just need to repent. I said, you're right, honey. I said to her, I don't call God honey. And I I said, Father, I repent to you first because you are my father. And I'm sorry. And that will never come out of my mouth again. And I repent to you, honey. And you know, within two weeks we had, and we've been working on it for three years, two or three years. And and in two weeks it all come about. See, and I realized how critical, now listen to me, how critical my words were for the thing I was trying to accomplish because the pressure got on me because so many banking people didn't come through with what they said they could do. It just got on me. And when it gets in your mouth, you're in big trouble because I believe everything I say comes to pass. (laughs) And that's why I shocked her. I don't say things around the house that you shouldn't say because I don't have that to say. I'm saying the word. All right, moving right along here. We're to hold fast without wavering. See, what I was saying is I started to waver and got negative. And all of a sudden that came out of my mouth one morning at the breakfast table. And and boy, you know, I realized I'm in big trouble now. I've been sabotaging my own project because I'm the leader. My name's on everything. So, you know, the the buck falls here, stops here, whatever you want to call it. And I said, oh, my goodness. I I ask you to forgive me, Father. Forgive me, honey. And I began to speak right then. I believe for this thing to work out. And two weeks later, it worked out. It says, without way, you can't give up. You can't. Pressure will come, but you don't have to succumb to it. That's what I'm trying to say to you. It says, for he is faithful. God is faithful. That promised. Of course, you know, you just need to realize I'm not mad at bankers, but a lot of people told me a lot of things over the years. I'd say 90% of them and never did anything they said. So, you know, you want to be cynical and pessimistic and 
But I just refuse to be that way. I just believe the best to everybody. Hallelujah. Thank you, Doc. You're welcome. I just believe the best to everybody and give them the benefit of the doubt. If I can do that, I try to do that because I'm not mad at anybody. And hallelujah. So you're still with me, aren't you? All right. Now let's go back here to Psalm 45. I'm just about done. I know you think I'm going to keep talking forever. 28 minutes, 26 seconds on the clock on the back wall. It's telling me how long I preached. I'm not going to preach you into the ground, but I do want to, want to talk to you just a few more seconds about it. And then I think I'm going to pray for people. Psalm 45, my heart is indicting. Verse one, Psalm 45, one, my heart is indicting a good matter. I speak, I speak of the things which I have made touching the king. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. Now that doesn't mean we're going to step, stick our tongue in an inkwell and try to write. But he's telling us my tongue, the words I say are just like the pen of a ready writer that I'm writing down. You know, I have notes. Now these happen to be typed because they were handwritten and Donna typed them up years ago. You can tell I am a doctor, can't you? Look at that. It's colorful. It's messy. I got all these extra things in here in different colors. Yeah. But your tongue is writing something on the canvas of your heart every day. Now, I think the best illustration I saw this, I went to San Francisco. I was with the Simons. They were so blessed. And Jessica and Jacob went with me. And I don't know if Jordan was with me or not. I don't remember in San Francisco. I don't think so. And they took us to San Francisco for me to shop at Nordstrom's. I thought I went to heaven. <laughs> took me down to the wharf. We ate fish on the wharf and crossed the bay. We could see Alcatraz. We came out of the restaurant and he said, I'm going to go take care of something, Johnny, Pastor Johnny. And you guys can just look. They had all these, what do you call it, kiosks and places right by the restaurant, by the bay there. They're selling trinkets, I call it, and just stuff. You know, to some people it's treasure, to other people it's junk. You know, if it's your stuff, it's treasure. But if it's somebody else's stuff, it's junk. I know you. Get, what's this junk doing in my way? Well, that's my stuff. Get away from you know. Anyway, so they, it was a lady there that had a big easel board and had a big uh, pad of paper. It was quite large. And they sat down and she was going to do a caricature of them, of Jacob and Jessica. And I stood back and watched her. Started with one stroke of the pen, one stroke and then another stroke over here and then, and then the eyes and the nose and the hair. And when she got done, it looked just like them sitting there. And the Lord, when I was watching that, he spoke this scripture to me. My, Michael, remember I said, your tongue is like the pen of a ready writer. Now, he said to me, then he said this, if she had just stopped halfway through, would you have recognized them? I said, probably not. And he said, that's the way it is with my people. They stop halfway through, quarter of the way through. They never fully paint the canvas on their heart to get the right image. Therefore, the image can't be reproduced because it has nothing to reflect off of. Am I making sense? If you start painting the right things by saying what God says on your, the canvas of your heart, because your tongue is the pen doing the writing, your words are the pen that's doing the writing, then eventually you have the image on the inside of you. And baby, once you get the image on the inside of you, it will work. Yes. See, we're supposed to be living out of that inward man, not this ball up here, living out of the inward man. 
And the images we form cause us to be the people we are. Yeah, I'm believing for bigger miracles than I've ever seen. I'm believing for lambs to grow back. God to give new eyeballs. I've already had God give somebody some female parts. I had God give somebody a new lung. I had God give somebody a new heart, physical heart. So we've already seen some in a, in a measure, a portion of that. But I'm believing for greater. So stay with it. Stay with it. Now, I want to read you, I think, maybe one last scripture here. Let's go to uh, Numbers 14. Back in the Old Testament, can anything good come out of Numbers? Well, this is. This is good. I'm going to Numbers 14. I want to read you something that Dr. Summerall said. Every human, Numbers 14, just to park there and I'll be with you in a minute. Every human who ever lived could have gone further in faith. Dr. Lester Summerall said that. Number one, had he wanted to? So I'm asking you, do you want to go further in faith or just stay where you're at? Number two, had he given himself to it? You have to give yourself to these things. You know, it's normal to want to rec recreate. Is that the right word? You know, sit down and watch TV and go through the channels or, you know, go play and do stuff like that. And that's appropriate at times. But, you know, you have to be disciplined to get further in faith with your Bible, not the TV, not your friends. And it takes something to do that. Sometimes you have to separate yourself from certain people because they, all they do is, you know, gimme, 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 and they want, 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 and they never really help you mature. Number three, had he permitted his insides to reach out, listen to this, again and again saying, I'm reaching for something. See, I just told you I'm reaching for something. I mean, if you'd have told me even 15 years ago, listen to me a minute. I'm talking some truth here. You'd have told me 15 years ago, you're going to rent planes for $14,000. I would have just looked at you and think, what is wrong with them? I was struggling to make a $2,000 a month payment on my plane. I didn't, 14 years ago, I didn't even have the plane, the plane I bought. But see, because that was way out of my scope of thinking. It's not about the airplane. It's about me being challenged to come up into a higher level. Once I stepped into it, God met me right there. Once you step out in faith, because God told you to do something or another, God will meet you right there. See, nobody cares the fact that I've flown for 35 years on aircraft, most of the time by the potty for the first 20 years because I didn't have money and couldn't believe to get in first class, just for your information. And slept in Jimmy's bed. And they put me in a rot gut hotel full of animals and varmints in the wall. Nobody tells about that. And people are mad at me because they stay at someplace decent now and, and get to ride in a nice plane. See, listen to me. Right. But see, you know, I pressured my, I pressed myself. I'm going to get into another dimension out here where I could be more fruitful in the body. If I had an airplane, I could get to more places in a shorter amount of time and get back home to her yeah. and get back home to my home, get back home to my kids. Just talking to you. I'm not trying to get anything out of you. I'm trying to get something in you. you. You don't need an airplane. Don't worry about it. But you need something that's beyond where you're at. If you're a normal person. You know, God says we should go from one degree of faith to the next. 
And some people, I've observed them for 10 years and they're still where I met them at first or lower. <laughs> what gives? So, and we're moved from one level of strength to the next level of strength. We're to move from one level of glory, like getting people healed a certain, to another level of glory where his power is even more eminent, more powerful. and comes into a meeting and blind eyes open up while we're preaching and, and things are restored in people's bodies and deformed people become normal. People with serious problems, mental or emotional, become normal. We get some of that already in our ministry of deliverance, but I'm just talking to you here. Usually you get, I'm still quoting Dr. Sumrall. Would you like to hear it? Thank you. Got one yes and a uh-huh. You usually get what you reach for. Check and see what you have because that's what you've reached for up to this moment. But from this moment, you can reach for something huge. Faith knows no limitations. And why would I even want to believe for a plane? To help people. That's the only reason. Why do I want to get on a plane and go anywhere? I just get my clothes dirty and have to bring them home. In the natural. It's more on my body to have to get on an airplane and go somewhere, period. Even if it's a nice airplane. It's for people's sake. Not my sake, for people's sake. Just talking to you here. Faith knows no limitations. You are not limited as to what you can receive through the power and force of faith. God has placed no limitations to confine us in any arena. All you can believe for, you can obtain. All you can believe for, you can obtain. And again, I say this not in a covetous way. It's not about your accumulation of stuff. You know, it's not. I'd rather just streamline my life and get rid of a lot of stuff. My wife's not quite the way I think. So we're living together and I've got a shredder for my stuff. And now I found a trash can on my phone where I can, I hit it today. I was so excited. You're out of there. (laughs) Faith knows no limitations. You can have all you can believe for. Yeah, you gotta you gotta have faith with your dream. Faith is just a dream is like hope, but you have to have faith to bring it to pass. Now I'm gonna leave you with a final scripture here. Uh, this is a word planet, and here it is in Numbers 14 20, 28. Say unto them, of course, this is when Moses sent out the twelve spies, you remember, to go into Israel and come back and give a good report. He didn't send them out to bring them back to tell them we can't do it. He said, I've already given you the land, but send 12 guys over there to spy it out and bring back a report of what they saw. That was all they were supposed to do. But 10 of them became chickens. And they came back and said, my God, we can't do this. We're like grasshoppers to them. In other words, they're big and we're small. And Joshua and was it Caleb said, hey, we, it, they're bred for us. We can do this. Let's go. And they, they had evidently, you know, whatever you call it, voting. So 10 against two. And so God is telling them this based on the fact that they didn't do what they should have done then. And now they're going to be confined, especially Joshua and Caleb. I think that's right, isn't it? I say that right, Joshua and Caleb. You know, for 40 more years because of their brethren. Oh, brother.
And God said to them, verse 28, as truly as I live, saith the Lord, as you have spoken in my ears, so will I do to you. What did they say? Would to God you'd let us back to Egypt. At least we had a good full plate of food. Now we're out here eating onions and leeks and the quail, and that's all of our, that's all of our menu. They're ungrateful. <laughs> They're complaining. And God said, well, you said it. You want to go back? See, they didn't want to go forward. But if you go forward and you'll learn this key here, if you've spoken in my ears, let me read a different translation of this. The very words you have used in my hearing shall come true. I will do to you just as I've heard you say. Well, thank you, Father. I'm delivered from every evil work and preserved unto the heavenly kingdom. And you said it. You said it through the Apostle Paul, 2 Timothy 4, 18. Now, here's another one. I will deal with you according to the very words you've used in my saying. One more little side thought, and I'm done here. This is Brother Capps. He says, one morning as I was confessing Charles Capps, you remember Charles Capps? Anybody know about him? He was a farmer from Arkansas. Got a hold of the Word of God, changed his life. I don't know how old he was when he went home, went home a year or two back and he called up some of his friends, said, I'm going home Saturday to see Jesus. I'd like to come have lunch with you Friday if that's okay. I think he called Happy Caldwell. He, he said, I'm going to heaven tomorrow, so I just want to have lunch with you one more time. What kind of guy is that? A guy who knows God. <laughs> anyway, he says, one morning as I was confessing the word, I stopped and said, this is Charles Capps in his earlier, earlier days, you know, I don't believe all this that I'm saying is true in me. It was that tradition, it was that tradition coming through that made me feel like I was lying. I knew the Bible was true and it was in the Bible. And the Lord said, that's all right, son. Just can't keep saying what the word says until it becomes a part of you. Then it will be true in you. So I kept confessing. Then I realized I had broken into a realm of faith. Listen to me that I had never knew existed. See, if you stay with the word of God long enough, you'll break into another realm of faith. And I know you'll look back on tonight and think, well, I was doing pretty good then. Well, maybe, but not compared to what you could do. You can get so far over there and out there that you realize there's another dimension of faith that you had never known existed until that moment. But you just got to keep saying it. I said, you got to keep saying it. What can I give you in leaving tonight? The end is just talking your faith. Uh, what I personally recommend is get in the new covenant. And I don't mean Matthew through Revelation. I mean Acts through Revelation. And I primarily mean the epistles. And those are not the wives of the apostles. The epistles are Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians, Hebrews, you know, and so forth. And all those smaller books and that Paul wrote. And then you got James and John and Peter too. So, you know, I would get into those books and find scriptures that minister to you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.